1: Here at The Guardian, we love podcasts. Not only do we make dozens of award winners ourselves, but we also write about our favourite podcasts from around the world too. Every week, our column Here, Here, that's Here, as in hearing, and Here, as in where, comes out filled with recommendations from you, our listeners. We sift through them all to find the hidden gems that the podcasting world has to offer these podcasts are often small yet mighty productions, which you probably wouldn't find highlighted on your usual podcatchers. So, if you're looking for your next podcast or have one that you want to share with the world, sign up for our weekly Hear Here newsletter at theguardian.com forward slash podmail and send us an email at podcasts at The Guardian.
2: Hello, this is Brexit Means, the Guardian's weekly dispatch from Brexit land, where, with the next EU summit barely 30 working days away, things are beginning to heat up ever so slightly, as the moment fast approaches when Theresa May will finally have to make some of the tough choices she's been so successfully putting off for the past 18 months or so. Though, if past form is anything to go by, don't hold your breath. Anyway, the debate this week has revolved mainly around four little words. In and out, and the or a. I'm talking, of course, about the customs union, or if you prefer, a customs union, or indeed, a customs arrangement, or even a customs partnership sometimes even a streamlined customs partnership. Now, this may all sound very arcane, but it really does go to the heart of the Brexit question, namely, exactly what kind of relationship does the UK want with the EU after it leaves? As the EU's chief negotiator, Michel Barnier, has just gently reminded everyone, it really is make your mind up time, and the Brexit war cabinet is meeting this week to supposedly do just that. Barnier's opposite number, David Davis, of course, insists that Britain made its mind up ages ago and has been perfectly clear about what it wants. The problem, unfortunately, is that that doesn't seem to be on offer. So what's all this customs stuff about? With me to try and shine some light into the impenetrable Brexit fog are on the line from Brussels, the Guardian's correspondent there, Jennifer Rankin, and here in the studio, Brexit policy editor, Dan Roberts. Welcome to you both, as ever. Dan, can I turn to you first? Let's put you right on the spot. It has been a, a very confusing few days, even more confusing than normal, I could perhaps say. First, Liam Fox said Britain has to be out. Then Theresa May she said that she has an open mind on the question. Then Anna Soubry and Ken Clarke launched a bid to keep the UK in at all costs. Then Amber Rudd said it might be an alternative. And finally... Just a couple of days ago, Number 10 finally said that Britain will definitely not be a member of either the or a customs union. So first, can you just explain in layman's terms what is a customs union? Specifically, I guess, to start with the, the EU's customs union and why people like Philip Hammond and Britain's bigger businesses, at least, are very keen to stay in it and the Brexiteers want out.
0: Yes, it's been a voyage of discovery for everybody in this week. But we have to look on the bright side. And The bright side is we finally got politicians to articulate the difference between the definite and the indefinite. <laughs> um, and, and I think it bears just... Simple explanation there, the customs union of the European Union is something that's only available to European Union members. It is the arrangement by which we make sure that you don't have to have any checks at the border. And it comes with a simple cost, which is that you have to have a shared external tariff, which means that basically anybody importing into the European Union has a single tariff that applies everywhere, and anybody exporting out, likewise the same, what that means is in practice not only do british goods travelling to france not have to be checked but crucially and this is the really important thing japanese imports coming into the uk don't then have to be checked again if they're being transshipped on if on they come did. in
2: first to like rotterdam or it, something exactly like
0: that. Yeah. and this matters enormously for this sorry to introduce another technical term but these so-called rules of origin are really important for manufacturers because what happens is if a car is being imported from one european country to another it doesn't have to be checked to see what proportion of components have come from japan or or, or the uk because it is assumed that because we're in within this single european customs union mm. it's already been done once and so that matters because Brits want to have a free trade agreement with Europe that there aren't any tariffs between Britain and France. So you might say to yourself, well, why does it matter whether we have customs checks because there's no customs tariffs to apply? Mm. Well, why it matters is because in a very integrated world economy, bits of products come from all over the world and they need we need to know... Where, they come, where they come
2: from. And, and whether they comply with, with the right standards, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, standards is a whole other
0: thing. But even just within tariffs, um, there are rules governing what proportion of a car can come from within one country if it is going to benefit from a, from a free trade agreement. So... A customs union is hugely important in keeping things smooth and making sure that goods can travel around without extensive delays at the border.
2: OK, all right, so it's about tariffs and it's also about kind of infrastructure and delays at the border and that kind of thing and pileups of trucks at Dover or Calais.
0: Yes, it matters enormously in the case of the Irish border because you don't want to have any delays to make people feel that there is a national border. The whole of the Irish peace process has been a fudge based on the idea that people can pretend that they're in two different countries at the same same time no, and that yeah. only works if you don't have a visible border um, but it also matters at dover for example if you have a highly integrated supply chain for the automotive industry mm. honda are bringing in huge amounts of parts from all over europe and then they're exporting cars back across that border if there are extensive delays at honda it completely screws up their just in time supply chains it also makes it hard for them to import cars back across the border into europe um, without proving that there's a certain proportion that have come from the uk so Um, it matters across all borders that the uk
2: will have in future with the eu okay okay so that's the customs union um jennifer so what do we mean when we talk about a customs union does does the eu have other customs unions apart from the one that that dan's just been talking about
1: Yes, well, you could really sum this up as the, and what about Turkey? Because this is the the country that's always mentioned when we talk about a customs union, because of course, Turkey is not an EU member state, but it does have a customs union with the the EU, uh, do the tiny micro states of Andorra and San Marino. But I think that the case of Turkey being obviously a much uh, larger country is more interesting. So Turkey... Um, It does sign up to the EU's common tariff. it does sign up to most of the common rules on how goods travel over the border, but it doesn't sign up to key aspects of the EU trade policy. For example, it doesn't sign up to the EU anti-dumping laws, the laws where the EU has punitive tariffs when uh, it suspects goods are being produced at below market prices. Hmm. We've seen a lot of this. On, uh, for example, steel from China, the EU has retaliated with high tariffs uh, and Turkey doesn't have to do this because it isn't part of that common policy. Right. So it does also mean, importantly for for our Brexit debate, that Turkey is free to strike free trade agreements with other countries.
2: Right. Because that is a key argument for the pro-Brexit camp, isn't it? That the flip side of the customs union that we've just been talking about with all the benefits that it has. The flip side of it is that you are not allowed, if you're a member of that union, to go and negotiate your own deals uh, outside it.
1: Exactly so. So the attraction on the surface of the Turkey model is that Turkey is free to to strike free trade agreements with other countries. However, the catch is that other countries are not always interested in striking free trade agreements with Turkey hmm. because they already gain access to the Turkish market through any EU free trade agreements and that puts Turkey in a very weak position. For example, Turkey was very unhappy that it couldn't take part in the the TTIP negotiations with uh, the United States but it would have to be subject to that trade deal if it had gone ahead. It subsequently didn't. We had Donald Trump arriving and and, and uh, those negotiations were um, were thrown out of the window. Mm. But nonetheless, Turkey's often been frustrated because it would like to create its own free trade agreements, but the, the partner countries of the European Union have had no incentive to do this because Turkey can fall under the umbrella of um, the EU's arrangements. So it's really not an attractive model for Brexiteers who want Britain to take that sort of Supposedly, go out in the world and and sign trade agreements with all sorts of countries.
2: Okay, well, that's cleared up the the sort of the the and a question, I think, um, more or less. Back to you, Dan, because I mean, you know, despite the pleas of what we might call the Brexit. realists the 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 Hammond camp i suppose the government appears now pretty much to have definitively ruled out membership of either the or a customs union and instead it's talking about a customs arrangement or a very streamlined customs partnership now what what is, it? or is, it, have I got that wrong?
0: Yeah, you, it's slightly wrong. You're almost there. It's, <laughs> it's a highly streamlined arrangement.
2: Oh, okay. Or a, or customs a new customs partnership. Yeah. That's right. A highly streamlined arrangement, or a new customs partnership. Now, what are, what, I mean, what are they when they're at home? Well, I think one way of look. These were two options that were outlined in the summer when the government produced
0: its. Um, policy paper on customs, and they were widely dismissed at the time as slightly pie in the sky. But they do um, fit into the category of cake and eat it. They are okay. they are designed to to make it look like we can continue to have all the friction free benefits of being inside a or indeed the, the, the customs union, but without without, without actually being. Yeah. Um, and they sound very similar, and that's because basically there are a Whitehall way of describing this continuum that there exists that. that basically just trying to kind of mitigate the damage of new customs barriers just to sum up between the two of them highly streamlined arrangement model is a bit like what switzerland has and the idea is basically to use technology number plate recognition cameras and the like and spot checks and putting the onus on companies the big companies to have trusted trader schemes where they declare their, um, their, their exports in advance or monthly um, and there are all ways of trying to reduce the amount of checks that need to be done. It needs to be remembered though that as the select committee heard this morning, Switzerland still conducts checks on about 2% of the lorries that cross the border and that in the context of Ireland for example would be 300 checks a day. So this is still, that's a physical check that's on top of all the number plate recognition. Now the Brits would like to say well if we if we up the number of cameras and have even more clever computer seams and we can get that down to you know a tiny percent of spot checks uh, and, and you wouldn't even know it's there. That's the bit where people are quite sceptical that technology can suddenly solve all these things um that's switzerland does some of this and the border c- delays i'm told or i've experienced are not massive but they are still there uh Whitehall has even more heroically described as a customs partnership and this would be an attempt to basically get around the rules of origin problem that i talked about hmm. earlier on and the idea being that uh, this, say, an, an American car arrives at Southampton, destined for sale in uh, France. We would, at the border, the British border, would collect any tariffs that were due on that on behalf of the, of the French and then pass them on. And the same would come if a Japanese car was to arrive at the Port of Genoa bound for a British market. Okay. They would collect our... Any 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 duties that were uh, due due to Britain, and uh, the idea, the the bit where it gets really heroic is that both the Southampton customs official and the Genoese customs official would have to monitor somehow the ongoing passage of that car through through the supply chain to make sure it did eventually get to where it was meant to be. Now, uh, again, the the, the Brits like to say, well, if you wave enough technology at this, if you have really clever, (laughs) sophisticated software systems that can, and and untrusted trader schemes and all the rest of it, you can make this work. Mm. I think, uh, just listening to me, you can see how complicated and and ambitious this would be. But the idea is if you get it working completely smoothly, you don't have to have a common external tariff in order to Mm. continue to have the sort of benefits that a customs union provides.
2: In theory. In theory. Jennifer, how does the EU view these two proposals, sort of these in-theory proposals? What When we heard this last year when uh, the proposals for the, the Irish border were kind of dismissed as, as magical thinking in Brussels, is this pretty much what they were talking about?
1: Uh, yes, it is. And, and the short answer is the EU views both of these proposals with a huge amount of scepticism about this British idea of... Uh, British officials collecting customs duties for the EU and this comes in in the context of a a case, an investigation by the EU's anti-fraud office which is currently looking at UK customs officials who they say have failed to collect customs duties owed by Chinese importers and there's a suggestion here of artificially cheap goods of even um, of of criminal gangs pouring cheap clothes and shoes Mm -hmm. onto the European market and this is a result of the the failure of UK customs officials at least that's the that's the conclusion that EU investigators have drawn so far it's it's uh, refuted by the British government I should say but nonetheless, it, it feeds into this general climate of, of scepticism about the British proposal here on on this special customs arrangement.
2: Okay, so neither of those are looking particularly promising. Dan, did you? Did you want? To yeah, come I in? just wanted to say that the other thing to remember is that customs
0: has been used as a bit of a shorthand in and the British political debate in the last couple of weeks for, for all checks at the border. But actually, customs is only one tiny bit of the, the the bigger physical barriers that exist at borders. Because you've got to remember that it's not just tariffs that might need to be dealt with, but there's also varying VAT rates mm. across countries that that, that that also need to be monitored. And vehicles stopped and checked to make sure there's not smuggling and so forth. The regulatory issues we've talked in previous podcasts about regulatory harmonisation, but a big one is on food and agriculture. Um, milk tankers being considerably stopped at the board, the Irish border, to make sure that the um, uh, they haven't been fed, um, uh, you know, G- GM crops or all yeah, these yeah. sorts of things. Phytosanitary standards is, is another huge area. Veterinary checks for live animals, um, security, um, and then the really big one is 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 immigration. I mean, much of Europe benefits from Schengen, and the the Irish border benefits from an equivalent of Schengen, the Common Travel Area. But the British border with the rest of the EU in future will have big immigration checks because we will be checking passports mm. and visas and mm. so forth. So all, so we have to remember when we talk about customs, we're not that, that that's not just a shorthand for one for the only physical checks. There are a whole host of things that that a border consists right. of.
2: And, and and potential for, for massive hold-ups and and, and and mayhem. OK, well, I hope I th- hope that's pretty much cleared it up. We did have a couple of emails from listeners during the week saying, you know, could you please try and explain this, this, this sort of customs business? I hope we've done so. There's one other final issue that I'd like to quickly look at because the people who argue that Britain should be outside any kind of customs union are basically the proponents of this global Britain that you generally... Jennifer, we're were talking about a bit earlier, this sort of buccaneering vision of a UK boldly cutting trade deals with countries all around the world and building itself a glorious economic future. Um, The trouble is, and we saw this last week, that a lot of economists, including it now seems the experts at the Treasury, are of the opinion that those trade deals outside the EU will nowhere near offset the hit that UK trade is set to take from leaving uh, the single market and the EU's customs union. Now, two of the most fervent believers in global Britain are Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's an increasingly prominent pro-Brexit Tory backbencher, and a similarly hardline Brexit minister, Steve Baker. And they had a very interesting exchange last week, which I'd just like to discuss briefly. Um, To cut a long story short, Rees-Mogg asked Baker, who had earlier written off all official forecasts, as always wrong, whether the Treasury had, and I quote, deliberately developed a model to show that all options other than staying in the customs union were bad. Baker then said basically, yes, it had. He was then forced to apologise because, of course, it hadn't. May refused to sack Baker, which is, some might say, is an indication of how strong she is within the government. But Rhys-Mogg later doubled down. He went on and went as far as to say, in fact, that. Civil servants were actively fiddling the figures. Now, Dan, we're in a fairly dangerous territory here, aren't we? I think when when ministers and and, and MPs stop openly attacking civil servants, what does what does this say about the about where we are and the divisions within the Conservative Party, the tensions?
0: Well, we're in a fact free zone, and I think the trouble is that facts are being weaponised, and the Brexiteers don't like it. Up them, they don't they don't like the fact that. All the experts, particularly Mm. trade economists, Mm. are of one view on the potential upside of these trade deals overseas versus the loss in Europe. And that's very unpalatable for people who've taken the country to the brink over this very issue. So they only have one recourse, which is to question the motives of those making these arguments. And I think when that gets to the point where ministers are questioning the motives of their own officials,
2: we've reached quite a dark Mm. stage. Mm. Jennifer, how was that viewed in, in Brussels?
1: I think it's certainly greeted with dismay uh, in in Brussels, which is, of course, a a town of of civil servants (laughs) and, um, and also one where there is genuine respect um Across the table for their British counterparts, I think no matter what the view of the of the British government of the decision making uh, level, there is a f- respect for the officials. These people have known each other for many years, but often they 've been part of the same negotiations inside the eu mm. and now find themselves in the strange position of being on the opposite side of the table. But I think it will also it will feed into the the picture of a, a prime minister under pressure from from backbenchers who are beyond her control, and and there's long been a sort of. Uh, a very withering and dismissive tone in Brussels towards some of those Tory Euro Jacob Rees-Mogg is a is a lot less known here, but um, but people are very familiar with Boris Johnson, of course, and his mm. uh, more interesting <laughs> claims about the European Union and and how it works. and And I think that just adds to the yes, adds to this view of a, a fact-free government at times, which isn't really. Um, or where the prime minister isn't in control of the agenda.
2: Yeah, so none of it particularly helpful. Okay,
1: um we we're, we're getting
2: towards the end. Um just before we go I'd like to very quickly run down on where precisely we are on the the timetable. Dan at the at the London end this is am I right in saying this is basically crunch week for for decision making or can it be pushed off any longer? It they are going to kick this can down the road some more.
0: There will be two cabinet select committee uh, subcommittee meetings this week on Wednesday and Thursday where the government will try and draw up its ambitions for the next phase uh, but I think as the debate over the customs union has shown the way they've got round the political tensions is largely more cake and eat it Okay. to mix the metaphors, the food metaphors there, mm. um, because I think they will stand firmly behind the policy objectives set out over the summer for these mm. customs partnerships or highly streamlined arrangements. That won't really take us any further forward on the big question, the big fork in the road about whether you want more access or more sovereignty. Um, but it will allow them to pump the issue down the road for another few months A little and bit. hopefully pass the point of no return next March. And these will all be issues that will only really come out and the transition, um, when we actually get down to the nitty-gritty of working, working, working it bad. out.
2: And, and and Jennifer, what is the deadline for that, particularly for that transition deal? Whereas, I mean, the talks resume, don't they, in, in Brussels at the at the end of the week. What are the EU expecting from those and what needs to be agreed over the coming month or so?
1: In fact, talks have already resumed today okay. on, on technical issues. So we do have negotiators talking about transition, but also... Some of those issues which have now seemed almost forgotten about, but the, the phase one of the agreement on how that agreement shall be, shall be governed on dispute resolution and a lot of technical issues have been ignored and not really seen in the limelight. Uh, but also, more importantly, um, they will be talking about Ireland this week. And that really goes full circle back to the beginning of the conversation mm. about the customs union, because this is really the circle that hasn't been squared yet. And the two sides managed to paper over it in december with some language that everyone can live with but over the next few weeks the eu wants to turn that deal agreed in december into a legal document mm. that uh, will be signed at the end of the process and this is really going to expose the fault line that how can the uk leave the customs union and maintain um a, a border free crossing on the island of ireland and this is the conundrum that we're going to come back to you very very soon and it could become a a very difficult and moment of truth in these negotiations
2: right okay so some fireworks ahead um well that really is it for this week thank you very much dan and jennifer for joining me again today next week we're discussing france and brexit so if you have any questions about that do please email us at brexit podcast that's all one word brexit podcast at guardian.com. please subscribe review on all your favorite podcatchers join the discussion on twitter you just need to search for guardian podcasts till next week then i'm john henley the producer was rowan slaney this was brexit means and thank Thank you very much for listening.
1: For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com/podcasts.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news: ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.